Hey, Never Sleepers. Welcome back to Ross Never Sleeps. I'm your host, Alex Ross. What a show we have for you today. The happiest entertainer in Toronto, Big Norm Alkinsell, is back from Taiwan. And we have the scoop on his extended vacation, so to speak. But first, what's new on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Tomorrow, Tuesday, is an all-new Vesta Friends podcast with special guest Live Dudes. Catch Vesta Friends every Tuesday on NSN and live this Thursday night, July 13th, at the Comedy Bar, 945 Bloor Street West, for their monthly review. This month features NSN host Jeff Paul. He's hosting their show. And past VOF podcast guests Parker and Seville are also featured. That's not a show to miss, folks. Wednesdays here at NSN are Jeff Paul Days, his latest guest of The Potato Files, DJ Demers, who will also, on July 13th, be performing, but on Conan O'Brien's show. So after the Vesta Friends show Thursday night at Comedy Bar, you can head home and watch DJ on Conan, and then listen to his interview on The Potato Files with Jeff Paul. Thursday is episode two of our newest wrestling podcast, Talkin' Wrestling, with Casey Corbin. His guest, Allison Dore from SiriusXM's Ward and Al. Friday is the new home for Speech Bubble, our comic book podcast, featuring Aaron Broverman. His guest is the creator of Bitch Planet, Valentine Delandro. Thank you to my guest today, Big Norm, for coming to chat about his adventures out east. It's so nice to have him back and share his love for Toronto and his comedy friends, especially his troupe, Running at the Mouth. Catch them at I Don't Carabana, July 16th at the Rivoli for the second I Don't Carabana comedy show. More with Big Norm on this episode of Ross Never Sleeps. setup man thanks brother you're uh familiar with studios you know what it's like yeah totally, totally. Are you, you're totally working in studio right now or you guys kind of just finished up with running at the mouth it's like this ongoing project where we just keep on adding and adding and there's just more and more awesome goodness coming up like chris robinson just recorded a crazy track man sometimes it doesn't even feel like a comedy album well that's the best part about you know what you guys all bring to the team it's it's more than a comedy album yeah yeah, I mean, you're spitting bars. I love how I always am checking you guys out on Instagram, posting about each other spitting bars. It's <laughs> Hot little... fire, dial on, dial on. Are you guys just like practicing? Are you guys, because I've seen a couple shows now that's half comedy, half rapping. This is like a thing you guys are on top of. There's there's no real comedy rap collective until Running at the Mouth. We've done some rehearsals with, um, with the crew for, what was it, the... Was that recent festival that they had at? Yeah, it was North by Northeast. Yeah, North by Northeast. You there guys we were rocking it there. You guys did some. A uh, couple of your guys were at Field Trip too. Field, there we go. Field Trip. We did North by Northeast. I'm paying attention. Comedy I'm, I'm following you guys. <laughs> yeah, man. And we we did a little rehearsal at uh, the rehearsal factory, and that was like my first time I really actually rehearsed to perform like musically since I was in a. R&B boy band called Kamikaze back in like the late 90s. 
right? and we would sing at Rising Star at the C and E for you know competitions and stuff. Come on! But like so, doing this was like it just felt so awesome and fun, and just you know brought me back to my youth. You know, so so rap it was before, really fun. Rap before comedy. Rap before comedy. Singing before rapping. So it was it was like the church boy, choir boy, singer with the golden voice turned rapper then realized what singing can get me in terms of women <laughs> when i was in high school totally. so i was like i'm gonna start singing and then comedy came along born and raised in scarborough mm-hmm. religious family seven day adventist very religious i had to obey the sabbath just like any seven day adventist or jewish kid like i know the feeling practicing jewish kids friday sunset saturday sunset you know the deal right no, totally so no tv nothing that had nothing to do with god or jesus no saturday morning cartoons all that stuff and now and now complete backslider seven day bad ventist <laughs> like <laughs> i was supposed to be a pastor believe it or come not come on i was you're a young man you're in your like late 20s come on norm I'm 34 no you're not no i'm 34 years old 1983 june 28th it just turned just 34. Turned, yeah. Wow. Happy belated. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, no. I'm like, I'm the Asian Benjamin, the self-proclaimed Asian Benjamin Button. I feel like <laughs> I look and feel younger now than I did when I was 18, 19 years old. What's right? your secret? Just not allowing any, like as cliche and corny as it sounds, like nothing makes me angry. Well, things will piss me off, but they're like little things that like I know I'll get over. And even like with the whole Taiwan thing, I was like, when it was happening, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to let this extended stay in Taiwan be a negative thing. I'm going to milk this cow the best way I know how. And that's by having fun, being happy, meeting people, telling jokes, just living life. And with that mentality, I just, it's hard for me to be angry or pissed off. I just stay happy with that mentality. You know what I mean? You're definitely, you're definitely a life liver. Yes. It's definitely clear. 100%. We'll get to the Taiwan part uh-huh. for sure. Let's talk more about where you went to school. I know you went to Humber. Did you do comedy there? Did you do culinary? Like, I feel like you have so many... You're First of all, <laughs> the, I want to call this episode Big Norm Renaissance Mang. <laughs> Straight up, man. That's... You know, I used to be called the jack of all trades, master of some, not none, but like I went to school for culinary arts. You did? Yeah, I, I went to George that. Brown. Like my pops, all my uncles, his brothers, they're all chefs, they're all cooks. Like as in where my family's from, on my dad's side in the Philippines, all the men cook. And my dad has like something like, hey, brother, I don't know. But we, yeah. all, we all cook basically. But then... After cooking, I went to Humber, not for comedy, for graphic design, creative advertising and graphic design. But I dropped out in the first year because I made it to the Much Music VJ Search 2006. Really? It was the first time they turned it into a reality show. Okay. Where they have, like, they had, like, whatever. They went across Canada. They found all these contestants, chose a top 20, brought them to Toronto, put them in the Gladstone Hotel, put them in there for, like, a week. Then after a week of doing all these small little things, they chose the top 10 to move into a penthouse at One King West. And then I was the first one kicked off in the top 10. Oh, come on. Right? Yeah. They, apparently, one of my, like, I knew a lot of people working there at much at the time. And one of my buddies was, was like, yeah, they decided to kick you off the moment I made this one comment about like, they were fighting over bed space. Like, who gets the top bunk? What there was like this stupid drama. I made the statement. I was like, yo, there's people, die- starving kids dying in Africa and you guys are sitting here fighting over freaking 
pillows and bed sheets and shit and, and, and bunk beds. Like, this is stupid. And they're like, no, get this guy out of here. He's, he's making the peace. They're like, get this fucking norm kid out of here. That's what they were, that's what my buddy told me. You thought because you were bringing peace to where they wanted chaos. Yeah. Well, totally. like, let's be responsible here, people. And they want, no, this is reality TV. We can't spin this in a nice way or a bad way, rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we had like this me and this, like, I called her mama. She was like this, this big Jamaican girl from Edmonton. Her and I were like this mother and father figure of the house. And we're, we, we brought everybody together. And we're like, guys, man, we're trying to exploit this. Like, just be cool in front of the camera. Don't embarrass yourself. Be, be you know, be smart. Of course, they're not having that. And then they kicked us two off first. So So how did you apply for that? This is like over (laughs) 10 years ago. It's hilarious. This is like the story of my life. This is like the luck, the luck that I receive. And just the fact that every unlucky thing still turns out to be a very lucky thing for me. I'm very luckily unlucky. Right. Right. I'm, I'm walking through Fairview Mall. I see this big much music thing is set up. They're, they're giving away t-shirts, prizes, and they're like, okay, we want people to come on stage to sing, whatever, a little something. We're going to get the crowd's um, feedback. So I go on stage. They had me sing Old MacDonald in some opera voice, kill that shit. And they're like, hey, man, you're hilarious up there. Would you like to, uh, you know, maybe audition or like make a little video audition for, for the much music search? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Said my little one-two. And next thing you know, I get a call, and they're just like, yeah, this is much music. Da, 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 da. I'm like grocery shopping. I'm like, call me back in 10 minutes when I get home. I run back home. They call me, and I answered as a girl, as my sister. I'm like, hello? Yeah, no, this is not my sister. Who's this? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, this is... So-. I'm like, oh, yeah, he told me you guys were going to call, but he told me, you know, keep you on the phone. He'll be here soon. And they're like, he's like, do you need anything? You don't want to... Do you want to know anything about him? I could spill all the beans and whatever. And I had a full, like, 10, 15-minute conversation as my supposed sister. And they're just, like, laughing and all this shit. And eventually, I'm like, you know what's so funny about him? He's totally messing with y'all at Sockets US, some fucking system his, whatever. <laughs> and, and they're just like, oh, my God, you're on the show. You're on the Amazing. show. Amazing. And that was it. And you were already in Toronto at the time. Yeah, born and raised. So that's also part of maybe why they were happy to have you. It's easier to get you guys. And, you know, you have the ethnic vibe, the comedy vibe, the entertainment vibe. Did you actually think you could win the show? Did you actually go in thinking, I'm going to be the next VJ? At first, yes. I was like, I can do this. People would actually love to see. I think I'd be all right. But... Another part of it was like, but they're never, they're not ready for no Filipino. Like, they don't want no PJ Fresh Phil on much music. Like, they're not ready for me. Like, this. Shout out to PJ Fresh. <laughs> right? Bruno Mars wasn't out then. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. He didn't even come out then. So, like, and when they chose Tim Deegan, that little, like, skinny white dude, skinny white dude, looking like a, a sensitive emo goth, yeah. like, Cool kid, you know, from Whippy, whatever. That. Wow, you're hashing the old much music <laughs> memory. Yeah, so I like I, I knew I knew I wasn't gonna win, but I didn't think I would get cut off first. So you're still in Scarborough? Uh, no, my parents, my mo- my mother, my sister, and my nephew are in Scarborough, and so you're I'm, downtown, and I'm downtown, Park Dalian. Oh, right on. Yeah, man. What brought you to downtown Toronto? Oh, I was always a city kid, even from when I was like in in grade school. My mom would make my sister and I come downtown to visit her at work like and my sister i'm like seven years old my sister's 10 years old we're on the subway going downtown together then we just go for walks with my mom so i would always be like just fascinated with downtown metropolitan lifestyle even in high school i would i would always leave my school in scarborough shout outs to rh king academy close to the scarborough bluffs 
And then I would just always, after school, I'd find my way downtown, just walking Young Street, Queen Street. Just, just to be a, in the city. Yeah, just to be in the city, see the sights and sounds. And I loved graffiti, so I was always in the Queen Street alleys or just finding crevices in the city with, with you know, graph on the walls, you know. Well, you're an artist. You're yeah. You're a stylist. Uh, you're doing some... You know, poster work, you're always doing something. I'm always checking you out on, on <laughs> Big Norm Show. Is it The Big Norm Show? Uh, yeah, on the Instagram? Big Norm, at The Big Norm Show, yeah, yeah. And your story is always full of food adventures, you know, fun events. You're either hosting or a part of comedy now, too. Yeah. You know, you've done the Nubian Show with Kenny Robinson. Like, how does, Legendary. How does, like, you know, culinary... You know, you're a singer, you're, you get a little bit of 15 seconds of fame with mm -hmm. this much music, you know, VJ search. You're, you're a downtown kid. How does it all come together? What, what are you, what's your origin stories? How do you end up, first of all, we got to talk about Taiwan, we'll get there. How do you end up with running at the mouth? How do you meet all these yuck comedians, these independent guys, these hip hop crew? Where does that all start? I've, I've come to the realization that I'm driven by making people feel good. Like, whether it be through food, making them laugh, making them inspired when I sing. As corny as it sounds, like, I get off when I know people are, like, really happy off of something I did for them. And, like, even when food is off, I crumble. Like, you should see me melt down and go into a fucking depressive state when I feel like I didn't do well enough in a dinner service or something. I just crumble because I'm so, like, I value pleasing people so much and making sure they're satisfied and happy. Like, I have a whole joke about my dad, like, forcing, you know, this, this story into me about, like, he was basically telling me, like, if you have sex, no one, make sure the woman is satisfied. Make sure she's satisfied. And, like, this whole idea of, like, satisfied respect make sure they're happy and it's just like ah. so that's why it's ingrained in me to always want to make people feel good but now to you know the whole running at the mouth thing like coming into the comedy scene like i didn't feel like i was part of like it's very cliquey in a sense in toronto's comedy scene and if it was a high school cafeteria and there was everybody every click sitting at a table i felt like i was just you know a cool uh, you know a cool kid like that everybody was down with that could jump from table to table, say what up to everybody, but never really had a table for myself to sit in, like, you know, with a crew or nothing. And then in search of that over the six years I've been doing comedy, like, naturally I got close to Keith Pedro, Marito, Antonio Lopez, Aisha Brown. Like, I remember she was one of the first girls to, like, tell a joke and, like, about Filipinos and wasn't Filipino, and I was like, oh, shit! So, like, <laughs> I loved Aisha Brown since she called us, like, I don't know, she's like, uh, Filipinos were Afro-adjacent Asians or something like that. Like, <laughs> I was like, what? They're like, Afro-parallel. Filipinos are the most Afro-parallel. I'm like, oh, cool. I've never heard that. I'll um, take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, Nick Randallson, Chris Robinson, you know, the whole Comedy Records crew. Shout-outs to Birdman, Barry Taylor. Like, yeah, there's all those guys were the ones who I naturally gravitated, gravitated to and they gravitated to me, I guess, and just accepted me into the crew. So that's, that's why I feel at home being like myself around them. Cause I do get a little bit socially awkward sometimes. Like when I go to comedy clubs, I don't know who to talk to. I don't know. It's, I'm weird you're, like that. You're sometimes. an artist. I mean, even when it comes down to a dish that might have not made it to your standards, you feel the artist pain. I, I think it's it's a surface level thing yeah, where yeah. in the end of the day, nobody's hurt. You know, people are fed and generally happy. But you, you know, every stroke, every slice, <sighs> it, it's personal. Very much so. Like, 
like 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 Sarah Michelle Geller in freaking what's that movie where she like cries into her food and people feel it like I literally I just uh, I just ha- put so much into the food and there's jokes I won't tell because I'm just like I all the jokes that I make at least maybe like ten percent make it to the stage because I'm just like they won't like this ah, this is not good enough ah. so when did comedy come I mean you're rapping you're singing you're doing a little bit of you know 15 seconds of fame on TV where, where does comedy finally come because that's probably one of the hard I mean rapping's difficult cooking's <laughs> difficult comedy's difficult these are not easy things yeah, especially yeah. to do all of them simultaneously well um I was doing this this I was shooting a online web series musical called Prison Dancer. It was like this story about uh, the prison, the dancing jail inmates in in the Manila prisons that do like the Michael Jackson dancing and sort sure. of like everybody doing push ups and 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 jumping jacks. They're all doing Thriller. Um, it was on YouTube and yeah, stuff, right? So it was a it was a it was an online web musical series based off that, and I played this drug dealer named Hookups. And Ron Jossel was was a security guard in the sh- in the movie. Obviously, um, in the series <laughs> that works out, that checks out. <laughs> I guess the director was like, "Yo, Ron, this guy's funny. You should get him to do stand up." And I was like, "I don't know if I'm stand up funny." And Ron's like, "Tell me a joke." I'm like, "You're a comedian. Why would you?" I thought comedians hate it when other people say, "Tell me a joke." I'm like, "Uh." So I just told this like little bar funny like joke that I tell all the time in conversation, and he was like, "It's pretty good. Give me a second." Calls fucking yuck yucks on the spot. He's like, all right, you're on on Tuesday. I'm like, it's Sunday, bro. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going up. Fuck. And then I, I went up, did the joke. It hit. Everyone laughed. And I was and I, and I caught the bug. I was like, this is it. I love this shit. I love like seeing people laugh and, and, ha- and like, it was just that, that feeling once again of like, oh yes, they like this. They feel good. They're happy. They're enjoying themselves, you know, and that's what I, where I get the kick out of it. And who better than Ron Jossel to yeah, open that door for you? Exactly. He's, he's the OG. He's the big brother, or as Filipinos would call it, Kuya. All right. so not, he's my manong. He's my Kuya. <laughs> Shout out to Ron Jossel. Yeah. Shout out to Ron. He's actually uh, been on our network. He's on an episode of The Potato Files, which is Jeff Paul's podcast catch mm-hmm. that at neversleepsnetwork.com but yeah ron is you know w- when you think of 20 years of comedy in toronto there's only so many names that come up yeah. ron jossel russell peters, russell peters jason rouse john paul kenny john robinson. paul i saw john paul last night kenny robinson talk about 20 years more like 30 years so you know what i mean like but speaking of kenny you finally you know we start at a yuck yucks open mic on a tuesday and flashback what flash now 20 forward 20 years sorry 22 years this has been 22 years uh the nubian night no no for for me no it's been six it's gonna be six years this december that you were on the show from yeah that first amateur night tuesday to six years to the nubian show uh nubian show i did maybe the that I just did, yeah. You've yeah. done it before. The first time I did it, I did it in my second year. Wow. I got I got lucky. How do you I think got, you got on? Keith gave me a voucher. Trix gave me a voucher. Keith Pedro? Keith Pedro. I forget who else. But a few people. Oh, Jay Martin gave me a, paid, um, a voucher all on the same night. when I, The first time I went to a Nubia night. Like, I've heard about it. I always knew about it. I knew about Kenny Robinson. But the first time I go to a Nubian night, I'm introduced to Kenny. I get the three vouchers. And they're like, he's like, all right, you're on next month. I'm like, wow. once again, just kind of like run. Everything's moving so quick. And I'm just like, 
this is a blessing. I just, you know, this is like the moment when preparation meets opportunity. And I may have not pre- prepared as a comedian as much as like, as long as other people, but like me performing on stage and, and I used to do like this DVD magazine on a, form in front of this camera and and do hit up like red carpet events and whatever so it's like a funny guy on, on the camera so i kind of had like experience of being a, an attention grabber of sorts so like being on stage wasn't that hard of a transition whereas there's people that like you know know they're funny but they don't have much stage experience so i felt like a little bit ahead of the game at the time but now there's a lot of people i started in the game with that are like I'm looking, listening to their jokes. I'm like, yo, you guys are genius. And I'm still like, my writing, I, I, sometimes I feel like I can't write. Who are you talking about? Like, Natish Sakuja is fucking hilarious. Um, He's one of my favorites. Paul Thompson. Fucking, I love Ernie Vicente. And they're a crew. That's a yeah. crew. The three of them right there, they're like producing with Drew and, you know, they're doing some... Uh, Web series right yeah, now. Yeah. Were, were you Hood a part M- of that? Hood MD. Hood I'm not MD. part of it. I just passed by one day when they were shooting some things. Great, great. Um, For that jerk chicken, I bet. Yeah, no, I was in Taiwan when that happened. Oh, okay. So I wish, I wish. And even like, I'm really liking what Ryan Long is doing with that Torontopia. Um, yeah, that's sketch, a great like, I, the the park sketch where Ernie's asking for cans, cans just cans, kills me, killed me, <laughs> it's too good. killed me. Yeah, and of course, all the running at the mouth videos with CBC Comedy got oxtail gravy. Yeah, yeah you know yeah, that was a yeah. huge hit for a Toronto-based rap group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're talking about it probably hit a hundred k. I'm not even sure how 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 big it got, but uh, that was viral. I would say mm-hmm. that for for Canadian local comedy and rap totally went viral. Totally, so congratulations. Totally. To, you, to running at the mouth you know we have a the cream soda fur coat yep. coming out or is that releasing soon this episode comes out this coming monday uh when can we expect the album july august um <laughs> Ju- september october we're gonna find out i <laughs> it's funny we have a group and um barry taylor of comedy records has just been given the name birdman taylor or baby taylor <laughs> because uh, he's holding, they feel like he's, they're joking around that he's holding back the album, just like he held back, like Birdman held back Lil Wayne's album. Right. Right. So, uh, but we don't, we don't, I don't know exactly. I can't say the date. I don't know exactly, but it should be around maybe JFL times. Can we expect uh, a concert tour or any Hopefully. kind of major gig in, in Toronto to kind of commemorate the release? I'm sure something okay, big's going to happen to go with the release. We, we wouldn't just release it on... You know, out there and not do something epic to go with it. So, you're a rapper, you're a comedian. Who are your influences? You know, I don't consider myself much a rapper now as I, I used to. I'm, I I consider myself a singer before anything because okay. like that's that's what's in my soul. Rapping, I just enjoy doing, but singing, I'm a full singer. I I, I can remember as young as like four or five years old singing the uh, the young nun. I sang the young nun's part in Sister Act One, right? You know, like I love a live him. performance. I, oh yes, I love him. I love him. I'm gonna follow my true love. Who love with me, my true love. So I would sing that girl's like the the the, the young nun's verse. We're gonna get you to sing song. us out after gospel style. <laughs> and yeah, I used to sing like I remember singing that for church for my for my grandma's like uh, golden anniversary, and from then. That was like the first time 
I knew that I enjoyed performing in front of people because I'm like, you know, four years old singing Sister Act with all my aunts. So gospel's your influence. Oh, totally. 100%. I mean, that comes in with a religious family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So comedy, who who are our influencers? Jamie Foxx, for sure. Um, I grew up watching a lot of BET Comic View, but uh, for sure, Jamie Foxx, Tracy Morgan, Dave Chappelle, Russell Peters, you know, him being from Toronto. I love... Like, oh man, I can listen to George Carlin over and over and over and over like the same shit and just be like, one day, one day I'll be able to talk as fluid as you can. Like, he's just so, he's amazing. So that's the dream. So yeah. comedy's the dream right now? Totally, 100%. Comedy. 100% comedy. Where are your favorite clubs in the city? I love... I, or I'm shows, favorite shows? My favorite... I mean, Yuck Yuck's Nubia Night is like home court for me. I hear you. Right? When I, whenever I do that show, never a bad response. I, l- I fucking love it. I haven't done Absolute enough, but every time I do it, it's great. The shows that I really, really enjoy. Shoutouts to D's Laughs, um, Derek Birch. A lot of his shows, I, he always throws me on. I love his shows. And all the weed rooms. Like Vape on the Lake, um, Paul's va- Monday Night, um, Mike Rita's Sunday Night Show at Vapor Central. I love the weed rooms because I'm a pothead. So, yeah, you know Paul's I mean? going to be on the show really, really soon. I've been dying to get him. You know how it is, even asking you. It's hard to get you guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You guys are, <laughs> no, it's worth it. It's part of my job to bug you guys until you either love me or hate me. And, and that's I why I got Natish no, to, to bug you, too. Because I knew if Natish said a good word for me, you'd definitely <laughs> come in. So, comedy's the dream. Food is a passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also ties into travel. You seem pretty well-traveled. Where is some of the best food in Toronto? Then we'll talk about your travels and some of the food that you've touched on the road. Mm. When you were in Taiwan and I was following you through all your ventures out there, there was some major items of food that you were missing. We're going to get back to the oxtail gravy, Mm. the curries, the goat. Where in Toronto? You're from Scarborough. Can you give some shout outs to some places that are must go? Like, I mean, Oxtail Gravy was shot. The video was and shot in wraps. wraps. Yeah, yeah. Oakwood and Greenwood. West, what up? Little Jamrock in Toronto. <laughs> Little Jamrock, yep. Done. No. Uh, in Scarborough, <laughs> Drupati's down by Bellamy and Lawrence. No, Bellamy and Ellesmere. Drupati's. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking? The best Trinidadian food. In, in in all of Toronto. They have one a location in Rexdale, one in Durham region. I don't know if it's Ajax or Whippy or Pickering. But um Scarborough, Ellesmere, and Bellamy. The best doubles you'll find in the city. The closest you'll find to what they taste like in Trinidad. Uh Tamarind sauce, Chateau Benny, like pff, the best. Sahina's Apple J to drink down. Oh, <laughs> So there's Drupadis. There's for Filipino, like a nice, really new, playful, like take on Filipino food. La Mesa on Queen and Bathurst. Yeah, right around the corner. Yeah, right, right there. I've actually done their tasting menu. They're oh. like they're like full tasting menu. Proper, right? Yeah, Chef, real proper. Chef Dan Cancino can do no wrong. Legit. The guy knows what he's doing. He's young, he's young. vibrant. He's like 25. Or yeah, something. super like, young. And and I've. When I was working with him, he was like 21, and he was like, he was the sous chef at the time. Shout out to Chef Rudy, but like, once Chef Rudy left, Dan left for a bit and came back and just took it to the next level. So, La Mesa is really good. I just tried AF1 Caribbean Cuisine uh, on College in Clinton. Um, 
good Jamaican food, kind of like what La Mesa is to Filipino food is what AF1 Caribbean Canteen is to Jamaican and West Indian Caribbean food. So like really, really done very well and, you know, quality products. Um, what's another good one? One, one more, one more. I'd, I'd have to say, what's a sleeper? Uh, oh, here we go. Shout outs to Taiwan. There's a spot called Din Tai Fung. It's known for their, um, their soup dumplings. It's like a science to them, like 16 folds in the dumpling, no more, no less, or it's garbage. Toss that shit. And it takes like six months. They, they, they give, they put their workers through a six month course to figure out how to make, how to perfect their dumplings. And they have them all over the world. It started in Taiwan and they have one in Toronto and Markham. Wow. And it's not as good as the one in Taiwan, but it's still pretty damn good. If you've, if you've never tried a soup dumpling, they basically take a regular, you know, steamed dumpling. They put um, whatever meat, normally pork. The one I had in Taiwan had pork, truffles. Like, ugh. and then they take, you know, when like, when um, a fatty stock gets cold and congeals and it gets like, it almost looks, looks gelatinous. So they'll take a small piece, wrap it up in a, in a dump, in the dumpling wrap through the 16 folds and then steam it. So then that gelatinous ball of soup melts and it stays in there. So when you bite it, it just bursts in your mouth full of flavor and it's like, it's fucking orgasmic, bro. So Din Tai Fung. Markham. Markham. Markham's got some tight Asian cuisine. Oh, for sure. That's that's the that's a spot. If you're not going to Chinatown, go to Markham. If you're not going to Chinatown West, if you're not going to Chinatown East, if yeah, you live yeah. in North, go to Chinatown North. We're very Holy lucky. Holy crap. We got a lot of China. I forgot yeah, about man. Everyone forgets about Chinatown East. <laughs> Which is good and bad. I've had some bad experiences. Uh, there's this one spot that I'll definitely throw under the bus called Three Seasons Hanoi, <laughs> which is a Thai restaurant there that I've just had bad experiences Aye. with there. But, you know, other than that, I haven't had many experiences in the east and i'm a west end boy i go to markham i love p mall pacific Gee, mall is, shout is the em- it's the embassy you gotta yeah, go yeah, you gotta yeah. go check it out do you speak filipino do you speak tagalog do you speak uh i don't speak tagalog i don't speak i understand a small bit but i got a mean accent like whenever i put on the accent filipinos think i can speak it you sound like your dad oh like there's so many voices. you got the uh you have the you know, the, the low voice tone of, like, the typical Filipino dad that's like, Norman, I know. What are you doing, huh? How's everything, huh? Or he'll be like, you'll have an uncle. Every uncle, when they see you, they'll always ask, how's your dad? I'm like, hey, Norman, how's everything, huh? How's your dad? Is he working, huh? Okay, tell your dad I say hi. <laughs> and it's always, tell your dad I say what up. <laughs> have you been dad? to the Philippines? I've been twice, okay. 97 and then 2001, just before 9-11. Okay. Beautiful place, beautiful place. I hear, I hear amazing yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, I mean, right now it's going through a rough patch. People all over the world, you know, are looking at our whole presidential situation, like Duterte is killing people. And, so, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like it's a fucking war zone. But then it, my dad being there right now tells me, he's like, no, nah, he's, he's really cleaning up the streets. Okay. Like, and the rehabilitation models that he has set up for the people that, that are turning themselves in, like, cause it's like, we're going to kill all you fucking, all, all you drug addicts and all you drug dealers, or you turn yourself in. He's been quite vocal about yeah. that. I, I'm from an international news perspective. You know, maybe it sounds like it's a war zone, but he's declaring the only way to clean up the country that needs 
him to do such a thing is the way he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's it can be controversial. But, uh, you know, if the plan works to plan accordingly, then uh, he'll be kinged. He'll be knighted. I don't know what the Filipino equivalent of that is. Yeah. <laughs> what, would, what would that be? <laughs> <laughs> you, here's, a, here's Balut forever. <laughs> <laughs> Balut. Shoutouts to Balut. If anybody know, doesn't know what that is, that is a premature duck fetus. One of the delicacies of the Philippines. I do. I know. I know a little bit of the Philippines. Yes. Why do you think we were talking a little bit about the people of the Philippines before we started recording? Why do you think they're so well loved throughout the entire world? Here's my breakdown. Okay, this is this is what I think about the, why Filipinos are loved around the world. It, 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 we got to look back first into the history of the Filipinos. We are a submissive culture, like a submissive people, because. We've had four different colonizers in our history, from the Malaysians, the Chinese, the Spaniards, the Americans. Like, we've had four different masters to, to look up to. So we've, by default, become very submissive, very kind of, I hate to say it, but like, we go through so much shit with floods. We have so, volcanoes, floods, earthquakes every year. Like, they're, they're used to getting fucked over. So like, to keep them their sanity, they're just naturally like, okay, let's just... Come on, we're on an island. Let's be happy. Let's be chipper. And okay, master, you know, for years of saying, okay, okay, we don't want to get hit. We don't, we just learn to submit and just be cool. So like, as a result in our culture, it's just natural for us to be happy and kind of like, whatever. We always get the shit end of the stick, but we're still cool. And what's even funnier about Filipinos is that we're just naturally happy people. And like, we love food and we love caring for others. Like it's our duty. I don't know what it is. Like, we get so angry when you don't want to eat our food. Because, like, no, we must feed you. Come on, eat, eat. Don't leave without eating our, our food. And it's like, and if you're going to leave without eating, then take food home with you. Or they get offended. It's, it's so weird how we are. Like, So my background's Jewish. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels like you were talking about, you know, in the Sabbath and, and how we are respectful. It's a religious kind of origin but really everyone's reform and just happy to be alive and happy you know no matter what end of the stick you get you make the lemonade out of lemons and when I was growing up I have a twin brother and my mom's co-worker who uh, was one of her closest friends at the time was Filipino shout out to Pressy okay. for my birthday my brother's birthday every year and the only gift I ever cared about was Pressy's handmade spring rolls which we would each Lumpia. get a batch of these little pork spring rolls. Lumpia Shanghai. I got Nintendo 64 one year. I got a bunch of Weird Al tapes one year. I got the gamut of gifts when I was a spoiled little kid. Yeah. But I only cared about Pressy's <laughs> spring rolls. <laughs> Do you remember her last name? Uh, it, was I'll, it I'll Abrosaldo? It. <laughs> I don't know. Because if it's Tita Pressi Abrosaldo, that's my aunt, and she makes some good ass was, fucking spring rolls. Was man. she <laughs> uh, a dental hygienist? Possibly. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll put it in the liner notes of the episode. (laughs) But yeah, the food in your culture is humongous, just like it is in in Jewish culture. And you've traveled. What are some other countries you've been to where, you know, you've, you've clearly gone for the food? Well, I went to Trinidad as a personal chef to work as a personal chef. So I was, I was forced into like really learning Trinidadian food. Obviously in Taiwan, I was in Taiwan. I just. Their night market scene is just crazy. So much street food. I went nuts. Philippines, obviously, my hometown or my home country. Um, Montreal. Oh, man. yeah. 
Like, you know, the way New York has New York style pizza or pepperoni or New York this, New York that. Like, Toronto doesn't have a Toronto style meat or Toronto. Montreal, though, has poutine, Montreal smoked meat. Montreal steak spice, like Montreal's where it's at. I love their food. In Very Montreal. good answer because it's true. Toronto, Toronto's identity in a lot of different ways is not about having an identity. Yeah. So Montreal, you know, which is clearly you know old school European, they know how to brand themselves. Or if you're so good at something, the city gets attached to it, like Chicago deep dish. Yeah. Montreal yeah, 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 smoked yeah, yeah. meat. You're right. Toronto doesn't have. Don't have we that. have a little bit of everything, which is great. It's fun if you want to hit a jerk spot if you want to hit asian food if you want to you know just try any kind of international mm-hmm. cuisine and montreal's the same way like we all know bustans we know we all know the hot spots but we aren't famous and that that's not just food toronto's funny like that yeah, yeah you know we're trying so hard to appease everybody that we almost don't have an identity which it's is so true it's it a, its own so identity true. which is which is a, i i personally like that about toronto um, Montreal is very forceful when it comes to stuff, but that's why it's so good. Poutine, you go to Montreal. I don't eat pizza or, or poutine here. I eat yeah. pizza in New York. I eat poutine in Montreal. Yeah, and I, yeah. I leave that. I leave the smoked <laughs> poutineries to the tourists that oh, come to Toronto. You know what terrible. I mean? But if you want some of the best Caribbean food, Trinidadian food, you know, uh, Iranian food, Toronto's your, yeah, your spot. We got it, and that's the thing. Like we do the world's food pretty good. In one city, whereas you go into other places, you'll have the world's food, but it's really, really, it's like a really bad version of it. You know what I mean? Like when I was in Taiwan, tasting Mexican food in Taiwan was like, okay. Then again, Taiwanese food here was not as, well, it's good. It's still good. What is Taiwanese food here? Other than those soup dumplings. Um, like, what's the difference between Chinese food or, like, Shanghai or Beijing or even Japanese or Korean? Where does How does Taiwan, you know, kind of fit in the Asian food category? Wow. Hmm. Or is it because I a mix of everything? In, is Taiwan more of, like, a hub? Well, they have a lot of Chinese and Japanese right. influence. So, it's a, it's a mix of the two. But... Their night market scene is so huge. So street food. that like their 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 street food, their bun, their buns, their bakeries, like food is nobody really cooks at home. Everybody eats out. Like cooking at home is like an obsolete thing in Taiwan. Everybody's always eating out, and you have food at all hours of the day. Like like yeah, there's 24 hour spots here, but they're just food pumping, pumping, pumping like stacks of egg cartons everywhere. Not even refrigerated because they know they're gonna kill off those eggs in a day and people just constantly eating and you wonder why asian people are so skinny sometimes and i'm like oh shit their metabolism is so fast they're eating like four or five times a day smaller meals cheap as fuck it was it was the best um watching your instagram stories <sighs> in taiwan just even in the markets during the day you're just walking around and there's pastries in one side or there's prepared meals on another side or just people frying up stuff. It just seemed like that's something that you only see in like hubs of like central touristy areas yeah, of places. Yeah. But it seemed like everywhere you were. And they had like American influences, uh, even with the yeah, Taiwanese yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like it seemed like, like I understand you were there for a long time. So of course you're going to give into a craving for like Mexican or something. You'll try it all. But as far as the Taiwanese stuff, yeah. the markets, it's just row after row after row after row. And everyone's just eating and picking fresh stuff. And yeah. and it's all the wild stuff. What's some of the crazy stuff you've eaten? There? Well, they love putting shit on sticks. Okay. <laughs> they love putting shit on sticks and just grilling them. 
Who doesn't? Flam- like, they'll, they'll take a torch attached to a propane tank and torch the shit out of meat while it's on top of a grill already. So it's got fucking the heat from the grill on the bottom plus this <laughs> torch up top on a stick. And it's like, and it's so fast and so quick. You get gizzards on sticks, chicken hearts on sticks, chicken feet on sticks, these duck blood rice cakes on sticks where they dip it in like this crumbled peanut and and cilantro those are pretty good oh man you kept talking about your lactose intolerant self going after these kind of custard oh my god okay things back to places uh to eat in toronto that was a great noise by the way Roll Son. Roll Son. Oh, the, the dim okay. sum place on uh, Spadina. There are these custard balls. Like, I guess the outer layer is this this sweet potato flour-based, like, gelatinous tapioca ball. And inside is this, like, custard that's, once again, like, it's cold. They form it, this cheesy custard, put it inside, wrap it up, then they deep fry it, put a little cashew on top. And when you bite into that, that shit just melts and oozes right out. And it's... Ugh. So many different textures. You get the crunchy with the cashew. You get like the slight al dente yet soft and gelatinous crunch of that tapioca um, uh, sweet potato batter ball on the inside. That creamy, melty, sweet and savory cheese custard ball. God damn it. I could eat one right now. <laughs> Anyways. And they had those all over Taiwan. It seemed like it. And they had like fancier places too. You kept going to this place called Milk or something Um, or Milk Bar. I don't even remember. But all I remember is big yellow boxes. As far as the eye can see, you kept checking out this really kind of fancier place. You kept taking your friends there. Oh, that was Din Tai Fung. That was Din Tai Fung. Din Tai Fung. That was the one, man. That was the one. I would always make sure to bring them there because the food was just off the chain like broken nunchucks, man. It was... (laughs) So what brought you to Taiwan? Let's get to the okay. heart of it. Okay, this is what happened. I decided to go to the Philippines to to visit my dad. Uh, my my family was telling me he was he was feeling sick, or they're just like, yeah, come check your dad. You know, it's about time you see him. It's been like ten years since I've seen him. Uh, and looking for plane tickets, uh, the cheapest one flying through Taiwan was the best option. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll stay two days. I heard their mar- night markets are great. Let's do it. Then I'll head off to the Philippines for three weeks, LA for one week, back home. Wow! And before that, I was I was in before that I was in Jamaica for the Cannabis Cup, the Rastafarian Roots Festival. So I was to come home, jump on the plane, go to Taiwan. (laughs) Like literally four hours is what I had. Okay. Before I switch flights and go back, I pack my bag. I'm a Tetris packer. Okay, like no one can test my packing skills. Okay. But then I'm also very tardy and late. So, like, sometimes that organization with the disorganization can clash. So, in my tardiness, I was like, ah, I saw this one pair of pants. I'm like, ah, fuck it. Let me just grab it. And I just threw it in, like, loose in, in one of the front pockets, zipped it up, went. Uh, didn't realize in that pant pockets, in one of the pockets in that pair of pants I just dashed into my bag had, like, residual amounts and remnants of like marijuana from a loose corner baggie like you know when like you get weed from the streets and they take like a corner of a plastic bag just rip it off and like so it was like one of those pieces of um plastic that i had like crumbs of weed in that like i probably washed them in the pants because it was in the small tiny change pocket so 
basically when I was leaving Taiwan, because United lost my luggage, and it was so my, when they found it, my shit was just sitting in the airport for me to pick up before I left to the Philippines. I guess some dogs sniffed it out. They pulled it up. When I went to the airport, they're like, "What's in the bag?" Told me to empty the pockets. Pulled out like one zero point one three crumbs worth of marijuana with wow. lint, hair, fluff, and then they charged me with possession and trafficking. And then I was basically I, they put me on a travel ban, and I wasn't allowed to leave until all my court issues were dealt with. So six and a half months later, <laughs> six you were there for six and a half months. Six and a half months later, yeah. At least you had your luggage. Yeah, I got my <laughs> luggage back. Yeah, uh, it honestly was like a mix of just not knowing their system, their, their judicial system, it being Christmas, New Year's, Chinese New Year's, it's a Dragon Boat Festival, it's a Lantern Festival, like all these holidays simultaneously kept on pushing my date back, like they're really slack in their judicial system or in their justice system, so it just kept on getting pushed back, pushed back, and finally they gave me a court date, sentenced me to three months in prison. And then I struck a deal where I could pay to get out of jail. So on the day I had to turn myself in, I paid the fee, paid about five Gs. And then they they threw an extra charge on me. They're like, you overstayed your visa. I'm like, you guys gave me a travel ban. They're like, but you should have extended it. I'm like, oh my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so they hit me with an extra like $500 charge. And then they're just like, all right deportation sent me home so you're going to spend only two days yeah you end up staying six and a half months you have to basically create a mini life yeah for yourself in taiwan <laughs> yeah yeah how do you go about that how do you leave the airport in the middle of the holidays no less with now you realize this is going to cost me money i mean thank god that the the taiwanese system our dollar is definitely better than theirs yeah. but i mean that's not to say how much money you brought with you or had access to okay. once again like i said i'm very i'm luckily unlucky like i also for, forgot my wallet in that mad dash when i was leaving home so i landed in taiwan with no money no nothing no luggage this happens and I just start meeting all these guardian angels out of nowhere. This one Taiwanese um, student lawyer in his last year of his master's works at the hostel that I'm staying at, gives me all this legal advice via his supervisor or his professor. So free, I'm getting free legal advice. You know, I applied for legal aid, didn't know if I was going to get it. Eventually got it, which was amazing, but I didn't know. Like I was, I was eligible, but, um, between that me, friends of friends through Facebook were like, yeah, you know, I, I know somebody there, I'll vouch for you. And all these people took me in and then I just, from meeting people, people hearing my story, finding a local comedy scene in Taiwan. Huge. Like I just started to meet all these people. Next thing you know, like the people that I met there were like, Norm, you're more plugged in the city than we are now. Like you've been here like four or five months, you know, you know everybody, and everybody knows you, because I guess my story was so compelling to the people there that they were just like, "Nah, man, you're that guy. You're that guy." So now, like, I can go to Taiwan and be good. 
<laughs> like I'm set up until yeah, you've been there for over six months. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember you posting a story about getting legal advice. Someone said, I can help you for this amount of money, but it would take this amount of time or more money and less time. You know, you also had to get a job while you're there, I'm sure, yep. to pay for all this. You became a teacher. Mm-hmm, How did you get mm-hmm. hooked up with all this? So the dude, one of the angels, um, one of my friend's homies, let me stay at this place for two months. And in the last week that I stayed there, um, he had to he, he, went on, he had to go on vacation. He was going to look for a substitute English teacher. And he's like, yo, maybe I could just get you to work for that week, help you get some extra money. I'm like, thank you, thank you. I need money. So I work for that week. Kill it. Just kill it. I'm a fucking comedian. These these kids are like, you know, they're, they're the toughest crowd. Like, yeah. let me see if I can make little kids laugh, you know? <laughs> And I did very well. The teachers loved me. And then there's this next teacher that was leaving to go on vacation. So he, he was like, hey, dude, like I'm, I need somebody to cover me for like two and a half, three weeks. I was like, yes, big money. And they pay pretty well, like 30 bucks an hour, wow. 35 bucks an hour for, for English teachers. And then um, so did that. And then right after I, I did that job, maybe like a week later, this next dude that I'd met at this bar because um, this Mexican bar restaurant, um, there was this Jewish uh, lawyer from Wisconsin that was a w- lawyer in Taiwan, moved there with his family, opened the, this Mexican restaurant, and he was giving me legal advice, too, in English. Um, he decided to help me. He was like, Yo, can you do me a favor and, and come up with some food puns and funny memes, and I'll pay you for, for my restaurant? And I was like, easy does it. So that was my first job. But... um. I bring him up because at the at the restaurant that he he owns, I met this next dude that needed a substitute teacher, and and he was just like, "Yeah, man, three months. Uh, I need I need somebody for a month." Perfect. I got paid for two months. You know, real good money. Survived out there. I was set. You know, but and you I, missed home. I'm I missed home, but I was like, this is like I could see why people stay in Taiwan. It's very easy to live. Like, transportation is amazing. Like, Toronto fucking transit sucks. Getting around the city sucks. There, it's so smooth. Food is ready-made. Everywhere. Everywhere. It's all good. You know, it was honestly... And people are so nice in Taiwan. Sounds like you made friends. Like, I left... Like, they're very honorable people, right? Like, I left a brand new fixie bike, white, with chrome wheels, just pretty as fuck, outside of a McDonald's one night. On, in one of my drunken stupors, I was just borrowing my buddy's bike. I went to this jungle party, came home, did a comedy show the same that, that same day. Went to bed. Two days later, I'm like, "Fuck the bike!" Two days. <laughs> I run to the McDonald's where I left it in front of. Same spot. People just walking by it. Respectful people. No one steals. They have this lost and found website that's connected to the police website where people just return things that were lost and found like things as small as like chapstick a bandana like wow. i saw somebody bring like valuable jewels or you'll see like wallet with money just like they'll pull out the money and show you the amount of money that's in it like people are very very honorable there and this is all in taipei it's all in taipei yeah so you've done it been there done that maybe would go again yeah you found some pot while you were there hell yeah yeah they have marijuana pot finds me pot finds i don't you. find pot, pot <laughs> finds me 
All right. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's this like universal gravitational pull to things that I enjoy, but I I always find a way to end up in the things that I enjoy doing. Good. Well, I think it's also because I don't stand for things that I hate. Like if I don't like it, I'm just like I, I can't stand for it. I just pull away from it, move towards the things that I enjoy. Simple as that. So is it is the the struggle over? No more having to deal with the judicial system. You're completely cleared. There's no worry about coming back in and out of the country, even Canada. Any issues on that side? <coughs> Luckily, Taiwan's government isn't respected. Okay. <laughs> so like they're. Lawyers in Canada were like, yeah, no one cares for Taiwan's government. Your record's not going to be shown anywhere. Even the lawyers in Taiwan were like, yeah, nobody looks at our our system. They don't look at And like, you, you may have a criminal record in Taiwan, because like, I have a, I had to accept a guilty plea so that they could just send me home. Otherwise, if I fought it, two years, I would have been there. Wow. So. Um, Is that a payout or. Yeah. It was teach like. Teach kids for two more years. It was like. Fifty or sixty bucks a day, Canadian or American, to get out of jail, and I was like three months. So a lot of money. Yeah, it's not, that's not that's not cheap. But you know, your life is worth it, and it, and it's definitely a choice you make in the moment. And you know, I'm sure you missed Toronto, and and once you got back, you realized this is the place you need to be. Yeah. What yeah. did you miss the most? What do you what do you happy? What were like the first things you did when you got home? What's Tim Hortons? <laughs> What's your order? I got me uh, the breakfast sandwich, the sausage and egg breakfast sandwich on an English muffin. Yeah. Toronto. Toronto got me a um, double dub just so I can get a double double. Even though I'm lactose intolerant, I just, <laughs> a medium double double, as my uncle would say. Medium. <laughs> um, and uh, what else? Uh Smoked a fat backwood. Oh yeah, Keith Pedro and Warren picked me up. Nice. Oh, from the airport. Yeah, yeah with yeah. a backwoods with, in hand. With uh, with some like Warren got me this Legends League hat, like one of my favorite brands. Oh, he got good me a hat. Friends. Keith had some, you know, and he brought some weed too. And Keith, you know, obviously just came to pick me up. Nice. Yeah, it was it was like, and that's how I knew like, okay, this is my this is my chosen family. Right. I got I got family that I'm related to by blood, but. Keith, Warren, the people that have been held, holding me down while I was out there, you guys are my chosen family, you know. I will ride or die for those guys till the death, you know. And Keith then you, especially. You man. came back, you're doing shows now. Mm-hmm. You're back, you're doing some events, you're involved with Running at the Mouth. Let's plug, let's close up with some plugs. What's going on with the Big Norm show? Ah, uh, man, between... So I got a show on the 16th, July 16th, called I Don't Care Rabana. Um, nice. I did I did one last year. Um, basically, it's just like an ode to the folks that really don't care to go to Carabana, but still are, you know, they know about it. Poke funny, poking fun at, at, you know, the whole, you know, weekend of Carabana and telling stories about, you know, experiences and whatnot. So there's that, July 16th. Um, I'm headlining Nubian Night July, this month also. Come on. So, yeah. Huge. And that's right after I get back from Just for Laughs in Montreal, buddy. We made it. This We made it. So, okay, I got off the plane. Two days later, Kenny was like, Norm, we got a showcase, like a JFL showcase at, for Nubian Night, first time in, like, forever. So, shout-outs to Zoe. She came through. Zoe Rabnett. Yeah, did did a set, and then she hit me up a few days later. I th- I went over it, too, so I thought I wasn't going to get it, but I still I still got the nod. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And, yeah, so after I, after I come back from Just for Laughs, right into, uh, right into the Numi night, 
And Amazing. That's, that's Mon July. Montreal's going to get a taste of the Nubian show. Yeah, oh, yeah. Huge. Oh, yeah. Huge. Montreal needs the Nubian show. Hell, yeah. Well, I want to thank my guest... Big Norm. Thank you for having me, man. Thank Finally you so getting you in here, me. getting the real lowdown on, on Taiwan. It's been such an honor having you back. And, and you did rep Toronto very, yeah. very well. And check out the Big Norm show on Instagram. His story is probably the most entertaining in Toronto. Food, <laughs> friends, <laughs> much, entertainment. Man. You got it. Thank you, Never Sleepers, for listening to Never Sleeps Network. Are you a good sleeper, Norm? What's your sleep like? You're an artist. You're, you're like a renaissance mang. I smoke so much weed that sleep is just... I don't dream. Yeah, I don't dream either. So, I just sleep. Then, But I wake up every day at 8 a.m. If I decide to sleep past it, it's like up to me. But every day, alarm clock, 8 a.m., mentally, boom, I'm up. Kind of like... Ready to clockwork. go. Ready to go. It's that brain. It's that artist brain ready to create. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Never Sleepers. Sleep tight. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 